Welcome back, everybody. Second installment of the Coffee with the Commission podcast for the Fantasy Woo League. Got week one under our belt. Um, we learned a lot of things in week one. First off, preseason or at least extended OTAs um, is a necessity. Um, COVID really, really screwed a lot of teams, building a rapport, getting on the same page. I mean, you watched a lot of these teams. They came out sluggish and just looked very rusty. Looked like they hadn't played in two, three years. It was an influx of injuries, a lot of injuries that should have been avoided. And a lot of that just comes with not being in game day shape. And then on top of that, you had a lot of young players that just did not have a rapport built with the veterans. Outside of that, guys, you know, it's your typical week one. A lot of huge surprises, a lot of big duds. But without further ado, I just kind of want to jump in and just recap some of our week one matchups. And no particular order, just kind of roll through. Let's start with Jedi Batman against Team Clay. This actually was a, a pretty good matchup, to be honest with you. It was high scoring according to the projections. One team lived up to projections. The other one did not. Um, Jedi Batman comes out rocking out with 162.88 and just trounces Clay. Clay only pulled up 121.94. Neither one of the quarterbacks really had much to show. Daniel Jones and Stafford both were mediocre. Running back situation is really where this set apart. The Kamara-Jacobs combo was dynamic. Combining for almost 60 points, destroying the Gurley Montgomery side of the things. And it didn't help that the wide receiving core was a little one-sided as well. The Schuster, the Smith-Schuster, uh, Hollywood Brown, A.J. Green trio really put some work in against that dreadful Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Diggs combination. Diggs actually tried to hold his own, but um, this was really a one-sided affair. Can't really say much outside of that. Um, I will say Garoppolo kind of surprised me there in the Superflex for Clay's team. But um, congratulations to the Jedi Batman for pulling out the first victory in a pretty surprising fashion, to be honest with you. Next up, we'd like to go to game two. Um, this was by far the most impressive performance. Um, I knew the guy would score a lot of points. I did not know it would be this much um, across the board there. Um, <laughs> let's just say it's good. the people's champion against Fong. People's champion, um, you were slated to be, I think, the number three top scorer of the week last week. Uh, you came out and just put up 139.28. It's respectable, but you came up against a buzzsaw. 211.76 for Fong. Just destroyed you. And who'd ever seen Aaron Rodgers come out as pissed off as he did? I knew the guy was going to be solid this year. I knew they pissed him off by drafting Love, not getting him any support in that receiving core. But like I said last week in the in the podcast, I'm really impressed with that combination that got out there of Adams, Lazard, and MVS back in the slot. He's got weapons. He just showed to you that he's not washed up and he's going to utilize them. I see Rodgers as a top six quarterback potentially the rest of the year, at minimum top ten. So let's just dive into this matchup here. Now, Roethlisberger looked pretty sharp. His had a little zip on the ball. I was surprised by that. I know they had said it in – you know, during the practices and stuff, but I didn't believe it. He actually looked kind of sharp, looked a little rusty to start out, but he's got a rapport built with Juju. He's building one with Deontay, even after Deontay fumbled early. Um, the You still went up against Rodgers. Rodgers put up 37-76. Top score at the position, I think, this week. You couldn't really compete with that. The running back situation was pretty nice here, to be honest with you, for uh, for both teams. Um, you know, you had Elliott and Eckler. Eckler had a little fade there. He only had 19 carries, one reception, which was very shocking. Um, Elliott did Elliott things. Across the table there, you had Cook and Johnson both doing pretty well. Johnson actually looked pretty impressive on the field when I saw him. Um, Duke Johnson's banged up now, so you're going to see a lot more run from Johnson moving forward. The receiving core is really where this gets real one-sided. Um, uh, <laughs> People's champ had Beckham, Kirk, and Edelman, none of which really did well. Edelman did okay, I guess you would say. Across the table there, Devontae Adams just swamped the entire receiving core for the People's Champ. And then he backs it up with Metcalf and Ruggs. I was really impressed with what I saw with Ruggs before the injury. Kids getting utilized, they're going to utilize him often. I think he's going to be kind of that Percy Harvin-esque type player with a little bit better skill in the receiving game. So it's going to be exciting to see what he can do moving forward. Tight end position is pretty nice. Um, Carson at the at the flex position for the People's Champ was really well, uh, really good. I never thought I'd see Carson only get six carries against a team like Atlanta, but he made up for it with two touchdowns in the receiving game. 45 yards, I think, as well. Dude was on fire. Seattle destroyed Atlanta. We really weren't in that game until the very end, and that's only because we got an onside kick. Super flex position was a little one-sided, leading towards Fong. Fong rocking uh, Matt Ryan in the, the super flex against Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod did okay, but, man, it's – 
he's going to be up for a long, long season over there until they give it to Herbert. Matt Ryan, I think we're going to see a lot of this throughout the season. We're going to have to throw a lot. We're going to have to throw every single game to stay competitive. I see Matt Ryan have anywhere in the range of 45 to 55 uh, attempts every single week just for us to be competitive. So that's going to be a good super flex option there. Again, week one victory going to Fong in impressive fashion. I mean, you almost won by, was it 72 points? Highly productive week for uh, your Packers as well as some other players. Great victory there. You are number one in our standings as according to Sleeper. We'll get to the power rankings a little bit later on. Next matchup here, we have the two co-commissions going head-to-head. You know, Sleeper had it pretty close. I think they had it 162.58 to 165.05. Projections really weren't too bad on this one. Um, Trip comes out and just – he manhandled <laughs> the Snyder, I would say. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. It's only a 20 – what's that? A 26-point and change victory. Um, Cam Newton came up big, to be honest with you. I was impressed with what I saw with Cam out there and – New England. He still got a little bit of legs to him. He didn't do much with the arm. He didn't have to against that Miami team. I don't think he's going to have to against a lot of those AFC East teams, but across the table there, Wentz. Wentz was, his offensive line is reeling right now. He's missing some weapons in the receiving game. I I own Wentz in a lot of leagues. I got a lot of shares of him, and I'm really disappointed with what I saw. I'm kind of nervous about it, to be honest with you. Lane Johnson supposedly might come back this week, which will definitely help out, but in this matchup, that quarterback position starting out with a 12.7 um, point lead just at one position is huge. The running back positions, you got the two young studs in CEH and Dobbins. I was really impressed with both of them. Dobbins, I think, is about to slide his way into a 50-50 timeshare with Ingram, if not take over. Um, Edwards Alaire showed why he's a number one draft pick, showed why running backs always do well in those Andy Reid systems. Kid looked electric on Thursday Night Football on a team that really kind of looked rusty to begin with. Across the table there, you have Barkley. Barkley might have been the biggest disappointment outside of Michael Thomas in fantasy this week. He just could not get anything going against Pittsburgh. Now, that being said, Pittsburgh, the steel curtain is back. They do have an amazing defense. And the offensive line for New York, though they shorted up a little bit in the draft this year, is still suspect. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if this is going to – continue all season long if it does i don't think barkley stays healthy the guy was leaping in the air every other every other play just trying to make stuff happen he continues doing that he'll find himself on the hour really soon um your second running back there howard i was very disappointed what i saw with miami's running game miles gaskin i think was the top rusher for that team they got howard who's perennially a thousand yard rusher no matter who he's on you also have the speedy matt breed and why he's healthy i don't know why they didn't utilize either of them so I'm really, I'm really skeptical to use any running backs in that Miami team right now. So the, the, the running back position really, really helped trip here. You move on to the receiving core, and it's still a little bit more the same. This is actually kind of an even matchup. Hopkins, I was very shocked that he saw as many targets as he did in Arizona. It looked like he got one to every one of everyone else's, to be honest with you. Um, across the table there, Thielen. Showed out big with no digs there in Minnesota. They had to air the ball out to be competitive with Green Bay. Still fell short. Had big things in mind for Thielen if he can stay healthy. This was a pretty good even matchup. Godwin, Thielen, and Watkins almost matched up perfectly against Hopkins, Robinson, and Chark. Uh, Tight end position. Kind of what I expected here, to be honest with you. Um, I really wasn't high on either tight end coming into the season. They kind of showed exactly what I thought they would. Um, the bit, Another big... Point of emphasis here is that both your super flexes did pretty well. Um, I was Cousins and Tannehill to me are very similar style players. Kind of shocking considering Cousins has been seen as a starter for quite a while. Tannehill just coming into his own halfway through the season last year, but they are very similar style players. Both are going to be great for your super flex for that consistency aspect of 20 to 25 points a week. Another tight matchup, to be honest with you, like I said, it came down to 26 points and change, I believe. But Tripp comes out with a victory here over Snyder. Stepping on to the next matchup I have in line here, we have Mr. Bengal against Mr. I own the Bengals quarterback. Um, you had Derek going up against Evan here. This was going to be a fun matchup for me and, you know, me personally, the banter they had during the draft I thought would make for good banter during the week. Really didn't have too much trash talking back and forth, but ended up being a kind of a one-sided affair. 
I was very disappointed in the showing of Derek's team, only putting up 110-82. I think he might have been the low score on the yeah low, low score on the week by over 10 points. Um, Evans put up a respectable 148-84, pulled out the W. The biggest keys for victory here were just consistency across the board. Josh Allen showed why he was drafted as a top seven quarterback. Murray did pretty well, but he's going to have to do a little bit more in that aerial attack to be competitive in this league, especially as a top six quarterback. Um, at the running back position, Henry was Henry. A lot of yards, a lot of carries, not much to the receiving game. I was really shocked with what I saw from Chubb. <laughs> Chubb looks like he's actually in a 50-50 timeshare with Hunt, maybe on like a 45-55 timeshare with Hunt, which would be very, very stifling for his uh, fantasy value moving forward. Connor did Connor things. Goes out there, looks half impressive for one run, looks very unimpressive for a couple more, and gets injured. Across the way, Mixon. I mean, he did have a fumble, but Mixon just, that offensive line still looks like they're not in good shape. They don't look impressive. I do like what I saw with the Bengals offense. I do think they're going to improve as the season goes along. But Mixon's definitely going to have to be a lot more than 19 for 69 to recoup some of that top 10, at least top 14 value that he was drafted at. You move down to the receiving cores. Um, neither team really had an impressive receiving, receiving core. I liked both of them on paper going into this matchup. like both of them long-term for the season, but neither, neither receiving core could really get it going this week. You had A.J. Brown, McLaurin, and Landry, who all just looked like they were sluggish in their matchups. A lot of that deal has to do with their team's offense and the quarterback. Across the table there, you have um, Smokey Brown, Gallup, and Boyd. They did well. Brown put one in the end zone. But outside of that, guys, I mean, none of these guys looked impressive. I thought they were all top-end number twos on their team, had potentials to be top 25, top 30 wide receivers at minimum. None of them really showed it. Start moving down the lineup there. The biggest area of difference between these two teams as a coordinating matchups, you look at the flex position, Jamison Crowder scored a lot in just garbage time for the Jets. Ended with 7 for 13, 115 on the uh, in the aerial game with a touchdown. Zach Moss looked horrible. I mean, he got a goal line touch, put one in. He did not look well. He did not look like he's in game shape. He did not look like he's ready for the NFL. Maybe he'll start ramping it up. I really love the kid out of college. But the way he looked in week one, that's Singletary's backfield. Now, we also have, <laughs> we also have the, uh, the super flex position. You had probably two quarterbacks, like I said, that I think will get traded for each other at some point here very soon. Burrow and Mayfield, neither one of them really looked good. Burrow did have two touchdowns overturned. One of them was a so-so pass interference on A.J. Green. Another one was a kind of a drop. But Mayfield and that Stefanski offense, I was worried about this going into the season. I think they're run first. We saw what he did in Minnesota. Mayfield does not have a report with OBJ. Landry's not healthy. They don't have any – real continuity of what they're doing in that backfield. It's just kind of put a guy out there, whatever, who's out there, just rush it and pass it to him. This offense is going to be in for a big struggle if that continues moving forward. These two guys play each other tonight, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But as for this matchup, you know, I think the biggest keys for victory here really were the quarterback position and just having a touch more consistency across the board for Evan throughout this matchup. Derek's going to have to do a lot of big things in the future to actually contend with this team. Next matchup we're going to go to here is actually one of the higher score ones as well. We had the Woo Stars, Eric going up against Suit Supply. Um, this was a fun matchup for me. This was one I really liked. I liked the quarterback position across the board. I liked the running backs, um, which we'll talk about here in a second. Changed drastically. But let's just jump into it. Um, the projections had it pretty close. Um, well, I say that with, you know, a grain of salt, but they also had it the way it ended up. You know, Wustar ended up with 147.08, suit supply 189.28. Pretty, pretty impressive victory here for suit supply week one. I do think this is going to be a tough team to contend with. Doesn't hurt that they had the number one pick. Number one picks typically either have an amazing team or a shitty team. It looks like this is going to be one of those amazing top three, top four teams throughout the season. At the quarterback position, they let Russ cook in Atlanta. They've been talking about it all offseason. He's been talking about wanting to be Mr. Unlimited, which annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> but he really did well. Um, he 
31 for 35, that's highly impressive. I don't care what defense you're going against. He had just as many touchdowns he had in completions. Think about that for a second. 322 yards, four touchdowns. He also had three carries for 29 yards on the ground. Across the way, Watson, I was very disappointed with what I saw in that Houston offense with Watson. They got a lot of weapons out there. They just did not utilize them. They looked very cold. They were in a game that I thought should have been a shootout. Kansas City was putting up points. Watson and them just did not look connected. That team did look very disorganized, looked like they hadn't played football in about 16 months, and it showed. <clears throat> now, the running back position, for this matchup's sake, it was very one-sided. You have CMC, who showed out week one, 97 on the ground, 38 through the air, two touchdowns, and Singletary, which, like I said with Moss earlier, I think this is going to be his backfield moving forward. He was not very impressive with what he had, but they do have a rapport with him. They do trust him. So I do think that's going to be an uptick for him moving forward. Across the table there, he had four net, which five yards on five carries, one reception for 14 yards. That's disappointing. This guy was a number four pick a few years ago. You know, obviously they said it was Ronald Jones' backfield. They showed that by giving Ronald Jones more touches initially, bringing four net in later. But to be honest with you, that whole offense for Tampa Bay looks like shit right now. Tom Brady looks like he's 75 years old. Their wide receiving core is banged up. Gronk looks like he should have stayed retired two years ago. I think Fournette will improve as the years goes on, but I do think he, at best, is a 50-50 timeshare in there. I think he's of the ilk of those running backs along the lines of Royce Freeman, if that gives you any inclination. Talent-wise, I think he's much better, but I think that for fantasy purposes, that's what he's going to be. Now, I made fun of Eric for not drafting any running backs, but now he's got a number one running back. Um, Marlon Mack's injury catapults Jonathan Taylor to a top 12, top 14 running back instantly with that offensive line. Didn't do much with what he had in this game against Jacksonville. Jacksonville was surprising, so I think it kind of threw Indy for a loop. Outside of, but what was impressive was the fact that he got six receptions. I think that's like half of what he got in college. If they're going to utilize him like that in the receiving game and give him 20 carries on the ground, Jonathan Taylor could be a top seven, top eight back by year's end. It's going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward. At the receiving position here, it was very one-sided. This is where the gap just widens even further. Tyreek Hill did okay. He got a touchdown, savaged, salvaged his week. He was pretty much the fourth fiddle in that passing game in that game, though. Keenan Allen, just like I feared, not a good rapport with Tyrod. Tyrod doesn't like to throw to guys like him. He utilized Mike Wallace or Mike Williams' size a lot more. Devontae Parker gets hobbled. Across the way, you're going up against Julio Jones, who was used quite often 12, uh, 12 targets for nine receptions, 157 yards. Amari Cooper put in uh, 10 catches, which that's going to be Coop. And you also had Will Fuller, who looks like the number one target in Houston, putting in 112 yards on eight catches. Huge advantage in the receiving core here for suit supply. I just touched about Gronk. Gronk should retire. And across the way there, you're going up against Mark Andrews, who put up two touchdowns. Not fair at all. Not fair at all. Now, the, the flex position did help suit supply. Mostert. If you'd have told me Mostert was going to do most of his damage on the ground, I would have laughed. I mean, uh, through the air, I would have laughed, considering that's not his game. But he did have, I think it was like an 80-yard reception. I think they said he ran something like 23 miles per hour on that. Did pretty well. Now, that being said, they did limit Coleman's touches due to the wildfires out there in San Francisco. Coleman has sickle cell, so that was a very big concern for him. They did not want to risk him long-term. We'll be interested to see if this is Mostert's backfield moving forward, if it's more of a timeshare. At the uh, super flex position, the two aging vets looked old. There's nothing else I can really say. Breeze threw for 160 yards, two touchdowns. Brady, 239 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. He did put one in on the, the ground, which is surprising for a 95-year-old running back, or quarterback. But I think we're going to see a lot of this moving forward, guys. These guys really looked rusty. Um, Breeze just lost his biggest weapon. Brady looks like he's never seen this team together before, which he hasn't. It's going to be interesting to see how these two play throughout the season. I would not be surprised if Tampa Bay turns to a run-first team quickly and Breeze is out with an injury sooner rather than later or just worn down. And we see a little bit of Jameis by year's end, but that's – 
pretty much a rundown of this uh, this matchup. Again, slight advantage uh, for Wilson for Woo Stars, but across the board the rest of the way, Suit Supply was just rocking it out. Pulled out a big W in an impressive fashion week one. Last matchup we'll talk about, the Kamish, myself against Aaron. This was going to be a fun one for me. I was had higher hopes for the scoring, but I did have this outcome looking pretty similar. Um, Five-point game, pretty tight matchup across the board. You know, Lamar did Lamar things. He didn't have to do as much, which kind of kind of hurt Aaron, to be honest with you. They jumped out so big so early, he slowed down. Um, across the way there, Mahomes did a lot with touchdowns, but not a lot in the way of yardage, which was pretty surprising week one. But again, a lot of teams looked rusty. I was shocked that I ended up losing Bell pretty early on in this game. Um, Hunt, like I said, did pretty well, got a lot of touches, which helped me. But across the way there, Kenyon Drake put in a rather pedestrian stat line from what I was expecting. So did Aaron Jones. I mean, they both were respectable, 14-5 and 16-6 points for the week. But I was expecting probably five points more for each player. That really helped me out a lot in this matchup. The receiving core is really where a lot of the change happens. Cup and Moore were mediocre for me at best. I mean, two guys that I think long-term are those low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver twos. They look more like wide receiver threes in this matchup. Ridley saved my saved my bacon here. Nine catches on 12 targets, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. He basically salvaged my week. Across the way there, I went up against Woods and Lockett, who should have seen more targets. Both of them got great yardage. Both of them I'd like to have seen get a touchdown, but for my sake, I'm glad they didn't. And Deontay Johnson, who would have done better if it wasn't for the fumble, his rapport with Ben started showing on late. The receiving matchup, though it's very one-sided as the top end score as well as uh, stability, was pretty even in this matchup. Both our tight ends were non-existent for two athletic targeted tight ends that should be getting 80 targets this season. Both of them just disappeared. Hurst had a lot of Jamal Adams on him in this game, which kind of stifled his ceiling. Ingram went up against the toughest defense in football, and it showed. I mean, he had two receptions on seven targets. Can't say much about that. The (laughs) – again, sorry about the cough, guys. The flex position was pathetic at best. Ingram literally was the number three, number four rusher on the team. (laughs) Um, And Marvin Jones didn't do much for a team that I thought was going to air it out quite often against the suspect secondary of Chicago, in my opinion. The super flex position was very, very surprising for me. You had Dak putting up 19-6 against 9-5 for golf. I had both these quarterbacks at least putting up 25-plus in this matchup. They went head-to-head. I thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. It was the exact opposite. Neither, Neither offense looked sharp. Neither defense looked good. There was a lot of injuries in the game. I think these two quarterbacks will improve moving forward, but for this matchup's sake, it was nothing. Outside of that, guys, it was a pretty tight matchup. Like I said, the the commission pulls out a W. Wasn't an impressive action, but he does pull out a W. This week's matchups, in no particular order, we'll dive right in. We have the People's Champ going up against – that's not right. Yeah, sorry. We have the People's Champ going up against Clay. This will be a good matchup here. Um, So far – Sleeper has this one 173-40 against 147-12. I think the keys for this matchup are really going to be kind of what we saw this past week. Clay's rocking Bridgewater, Gurley, Montgomery, Hobbled Evans, Hooper. None of those guys looked impressive week one. I didn't like what I saw out of them. You know, I don't think they're going to improve that much off what we had week one. I mean, Gurley's matchup against Dallas should be a little juicier, but this could be troublesome for Clay in this matchup. I think the keys for his victory is whether or not Garoppolo can build off what he did last week as well as Goddard. Robbie Anderson does look like a a legit threat in Carolina, but he's going to have to have a big play to be impressive again. Across the way there, you have Big Ben another week, another week with his team. I think he's going to do pretty well against Denver. It's at home. It's not in the thin air, so that's going to be a bonus for him. Elliott against the poorest Atlanta offense. I think Elliott's going to rush for 120. Carson against New England, that could be a little tough. Then you have the receiving core, which I'm not impressed with their matchups. Beckham tonight against Cincy. 
Kirk against that impressive Washington defense and Edelman at Seattle, which Seattle was gashed hard this week, but Edelman doesn't seem to be the same Edelman he was four or five years ago, and age is really catching up with him. I think Kelsey, Kelsey against the Chargers is going to be good. I think the Chargers really got exposed last year against tight ends, if I don't remember. Eckler, be interesting to see if he actually improves on what he did last week. And then you have Tyrod going against that Kansas City offense. They did well against Watson. I think they're going to do great against Tyrod, so that'll be interesting. I do think Sleeper has it right on the victory here. I, I give the victory to the people's champ. I do think it's going to be probably 147 and change for the people's champ against 128 and change for Clay. So I do think the people's champ ends up one and one after week two and Clay is an 0-2 team. Sorry about that, buddy. Next match up here, we have, this is going to be a fun one. To be honest with you, if week one shows anything, you have Jedi Batman against Fong. Two very high-scoring teams week one. Sleeper has them being high-scoring in week two. Both are 1-0. Sleeper has it 177.05 for Jedi, 182.11 for Fong. I think it's going to be very close to that score. Um, I will touch on what I think. Let's just run team by team. Jedi Batman's got Daniel Jones, who looked good at times, looked horrible at times, going against that Chicago offense or the Chicago defense. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I have no idea what I think he's going to do in this one. I'd say probably 18 to 20 points. Um, Kamara's going to improve off what he did last week. Las Vegas was just gashed by uh, Run CMC. Kamara is a very similar style player, so I do think he does very similar things. Jacobs goes up against that New Orleans defense, which is very tough. They showed that was probably the most impressive thing from that matchup this week. Is that New Orleans defense? I do think Jacobs eats. I do think he gets a lot of touches. I do think he has a decent week. I don't think it's a huge week. Receiving course, uh, Smith Schuster, Brown, Green, they all have pretty decent matchups. I mean, they're middle of the row. All of them, I do think, improve off last week, which is going to be impressive for Smith Schuster. Um, I think this receiving core might be an advantage this week over the other one. We'll, it'll be interesting to see. Kittle, I don't know if he's going to play, to be honest with you. He's pretty hobbled. They can win against the Jets without him. They'd be smart to do it. I do think Kittle sits, so I'm not sure why he's still in the lineup. But Sanders is the pseudo number one wide receiver for Breeze, but Breeze, again, only threw for 160 yards, I think. That's not impressive. So that gives, what, Sanders 60 yards, maybe a touchdown. That's just not going to cut it in this kind of matchup here against Fong. Phillip Rivers looks like garbage. Um I got, I've got a better arm than Philip Rivers right now. And those who know me, I'm not a big guy. I'm, you know, what, 5'10", 180, 190 pounds. I don't have a big arm. <laughs> that tells you anything. So, um, yeah, I'm not impressed with Rivers. So, across the way, Fong, I think Rodgers is going to do Rodgers things again. I think he's going to have another stellar week, 30-plus points against that Detroit defense. Um, the running back core for Fong is really going to hurt this week. I do think Cook. It'll get slowed down by Indy. I do think that Baltimore defense is going to eat David Johnson alive. He's a slow, plotting, methodical running back at this point in his career. That defense swarms. I think Patrick Queen is just going to destroy him at least twice in this matchup. Receiving core for Fong, I do think Adams is going to be the beneficiary of Aaron Rodgers once again against that Detroit defense. Metcalf against New England and Ruggs if he's healthy and ready out there against New Orleans. These are two tough matchups, guys. I'm not expecting high things for either of them. I don't think either wide receiver touches 10 points this week. He needs a lot out of Devontae Adams this week to continue to hold pace against that receiving core of Jedi. Um, I do think Waller feasts. Um, if you can beat New Orleans, I do think you're going to have to do it in the tight end position. Waller's a mismatch for any defensive player that's going to cover him. I do think he's going to have to be a key if New, uh, Las Vegas wants to contend against New Orleans. Like I said earlier, Ronald Jones, I think, gets a lot more touches. I think this has to turn to a little bit more of a run-dominant offense, which is very rare for an Arians team. But I think they have to to be competitive. I think they try it this week against Carolina. They can actually run on Carolina. That's their weakness. I think Jones might be the best scoring asset on that Tampa Bay team in week two. Matt Ryan against Dallas, he's going to have to do what he did last week. He's going to have to throw the ball uh, 45, 50 times. He's going to have to throw for over 350 yards and probably three touchdowns to have a chance against this Dallas offense. I think Atlanta loses this game and not close. I do think Ryan 
does well in this matchup. I actually have it very similar to Sleeper. I do think Fong wins 181. So very close to some uh, 181 and change. Very close to what Sleeper has. Against Jedi Batman putting up 165 and change. Next matchup I'd like to talk about. Trip against Aaron. I do think... <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I apologize. I know that's got to hurt your ears. This is the tightest matchup according to Sleeper. They only have it as a .12 point difference. I think the matchup is very similar to that. I think this is a 50-50 coin toss across the board. Quarterback position. This one I don't want to do team by team. I want to do position by position just for, for certain reason. Quarterback position here, we have two guys who like to do it on the ground but can do it through the air as a secondary option. I think Jackson against Houston and Cam against Seattle. This will be interesting. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty close matchup at the quarterback position. They give the slide edge to Jackson. Go to the running back position. Two running backs, I was very disappointed with their output. They did well in Drake and Jones against two younger guys who I love future potential with. If Sanders is out there and healthy, I think this is going to be a great uh, what's that, quartet. <laughs> I always struggle with that. I think it's going to be a great quartet at the running back position here. I give the slide edge ever so slightly, if healthy, to the Edwards Hilaire Sanders size just because of their defensive matchups they're going up against. Drake is going up against Washington. Aaron Jones going against uh, against Detroit. Both those are going to be a little bit tougher matchups for the running back. I do think it's going to be tight. I think if you combine both teams' uh, running back cores, I think it's within two points of what the variance is. Now we move on to the wide receiver position here. Let's start out with the trio of Godwin, Thielen, and Watkins. Pretty good matchup for Thielen. Um, Godwin actually, I think, has a good matchup against Carolina. It's interesting to see if he's going to come back healthy. I know Godwin and Evans were hobbled at the end of that New Orleans game. Watkins against the Chargers. I think Watkins actually gets utilized pretty well here against the Chargers. Sell out to stop Kelsey and um, Hill, which I don't think they're successful at. Across the way, Woods, Lockett, and Johnson. If Johnson can build off the second half of what he did in that first game. I think this trio here is going to be what helps this uh, matchup. I get the slight advantage at the wide receiving core to Aaron and his trio of Woods, Lockett, and Johnson. I think just on volume, I see two guys who are going to have 10 catches, 100 yards, maybe a touch, and a guy in Johnson who could probably have 80 and one through the air as well. At the tight end position, you have Hawkinson, who I think is going to get a lot of targets, a lot of touches in this one. Yes, Ingram. Ingram has to improve off what he did this past week for New uh, the Giants to have an impressive offense. He has to be a viable threat out there as a pseudo wide receiver four. If he's not, that Giants offense is in for a lot of trouble. I can't really give a, an advantage here at the tight end position. I actually think it's a coin toss. Let's go to the flex position. I give the advantage, oddly enough, to Slayton. I was really impressed with it. I saw them in week one. I think he's the number one playmaker in that offense, um, in the receiving core at least. I don't think he's the number one wide receiver. I think that's still Shepard. I think he's the biggest playmaker in that receiving core for the Giants. Across the way there, Ingram. Ingram, if anything, in week one continues – I'm not impressed with Ingram moving forward. I mean, he's 31 years old. I really do think this guy has a lot left in the tank. I do think he's going to be impressive if they get him the run. I just still think he might be the number three option in that running game. Lamar's number one. I think they love what they saw in Dobbins. They want to see if he's still got it. So I think they give him more run in week two just to see if it was a fluke or if that's who he is. So I think Ingram might struggle in this matchup against Houston. So I give the slight advantage to Slayton here. Now we go to the super flex position. Mr. Consistency. Mr. Accurate, Kirk Cousins going up against that indie defense. And you have Jared Goff against Philly's defense. Philly's defense is the only thing decent on that team right now. Goff has to improve off what he did last week. He has to utilize his weapons and woods and cups a lot more. I actually give the slight advantage to Goff here against a tougher defense. I think Cousins, what we saw last week is Cousins. I think he's 20 to 22 points every week. Goff, I think, actually might go for three touchdowns in this one. I could be completely wrong. He could put up another dud of 10 points or less, but I'm actually going on golf side. Brings me back to the matchup. Like I said, guys, it's the tightest one according to Sleeper. I think it's going to be a high-scoring one as well. I do think it's going to be tight. 
I actually have the Clown Commission trip for 171 and change, pretty close to the sleeper projection. Against Aaron Farley, who I have at 176 and change. Very close to the projection. I think it's going to be very close throughout the entire week. I really do think when all said and done, it's going to come down to the quarterback and super flex position for both teams. I give the slight edge to Golf and Jackson over Cam Newton and Kirk Cousins. Next matchup we'll talk about here is Suit Supply and Evan to 1-0 teams. Another high-scoring one according to Sleeper, which they have every game as a high-scoring one, it looks like. Um, I, it's 183.91 for Suit Supply and 170.54 for Evan. Let's do this one uh, team by team, not matchup by matchup. <laughs> so for Suit Supply, we have Watson going up against that tough, tough Baltimore defense. He's going to have to improve off what he did last week for this team to have a chance. I don't know if they will against this Baltimore defense. I said last week they're one of my favorite defenses, and they really are. Um, I think he has a decent game, but I think he's in for a turnover or two and a little bit of hiccups along the way. That running back core, I really like McCaffrey against Tampa. I do think Singletary against Miami are great matchups. I think both these guys go off this week. I think this is going to be a very big asset for Suits Supply in week two. Now we go to the wide receiving core. You have Jones against that banged up Dallas defense that has no secondary. They have the worst cornerbacks, in my opinion. Um, I think Jones is going to have to be utilized very often. I see another 100, 150 yard kind of game for him. That might be a key for uh, suit supply this week. Cooper against that Atlanta secondary. Atlanta secondary is so suspect. We saw that that touchdown to DJ Metcalf was so pathetic. Um, Problem being, is it going to be Cooper? Is it going to be Lamb or Gallup that is the beneficiary against this piss-poor Atlanta secondary? That's yet to be seen. Fuller, that we showed out last week, is against a much tougher defense this week in Baltimore, especially that secondary. I do think Fuller is targeted often. I don't think he goes for 100 yards plus again, or the eight, I think he had eight catches. I do think he'll have a decent week, but not to those not to that extent. Go to the tight end position here. Howard. Howard is the best tight end in Tampa Bay. Said this week one. I said this in the offseason. I'm going to say this moving forward. I think Howard's going to be an asset for Tom Brady. Brady's going to look to him as much as it's going to upset Gronk's feelings. I think Howard has a pretty decent week. Mostert against the Jets. I think Mostert takes a step back from last week's boom project or boom play. I think Coleman's utilized a little bit more against the Jets. The Jets' defense is piss poor. The Jets' team as a whole is piss poor. San Francisco is going to run this team. I think Mostert does pretty close to his projections, though. Then we go down to Brady. Brady has a chance to redeem himself against the very suspect Carolina defense. He's going to have to for his team to have a chance to be 1-1 one one by week two's end. If not, they'll be 0-2 and, and pretty much out of the conversation because I don't see them improving that much if they continue to slide. Across the way there, Evans' team, you have Baker tonight against Cincinnati. I've already talked about Baker. I'm not impressed with the team. I'm not impressed with the offensive scheme. Stefanski's a run-first kind of guy. He's not going to utilize the receiving core they had there. There's no rapport with OBJ. I'm not saying Baker's garbage. I just don't think he's going to do anything big this week. Next, you have Henry against the juicy Jacksonville defense. Henry should go for 200 on the ground and 17 touchdowns in this one game. Will he? No. But I do think Henry goes for over 100, at least one on the ground, if not two. Huge game for Henry, in my opinion, this week. Mixon is going to have a tough matchup tonight against Cleveland. I do think they are going to stifle him a little bit. Mixon, I do think, is going to be a top 14 running back by week's end, but it's going to be more like 14. I give the slight advantage of the running back position here over to the other side, and I do think it's just because Henry is going to have such a big game to kind of even it out. Receiving core here, we have Brown, Gallup, and Boyd. Um, Miami's secondary is actually pretty impressive. They made a lot of additions in the offseason. I think they do slow down Brown. I do think Miami's going to be beat on the running game and off the legs of uh, Allen. So I don't have big hopes for Brown in this one. Gallup, I do think, is going to do great things against Atlanta. It's, it's amazing that we have Cooper and Gallup going head-to-head in this matchup. So one team's gonna, one team's really going to be the beneficiary. It's going to be interesting to see which one. I think that might be what is the deciding factor this week between these two teams, you know, just to kind of go ahead and spoil the spoil the surprise. But Boyd against Cleveland, until Burrow 
start showing that he's that number one pick. I was impressed with a lot of things I saw, but I also saw some things that were suspect. I think Boyd should improve off last week, but I don't know if it's going to be enough this week. Ertz, I don't have much to say about Ertz, man. I was shocked he did not do well in that matchup against um, Washington last week. He's got a tougher matchup for tight ends against the Rams this week. Goddard did well, but the reason Goddard did well is because they had him in there helping stifle that offensive or that uh, defensive pass rush. And then he just broke out and caught little dump downs left and right. Um, I do think Ertz improves. I do think he's going to have a better showing this week than Howard across the way there. At the uh, flex position, Crowder's going to – same thing as last week, guys. They're going to be dominated first half. Crowder's going to get garbage time second half scores. I'm not impressed with the Jets, but Crowder right now literally is the only breathing soul that is an offensive weapon on that team. And for a guy named Crowder, that's disappointing. Super flex position here, I think, is where the biggest key for this matchup is going to be outside of uh, the beneficiary of that Dallas offense against Atlanta defense. But Allen against Miami. Allen should repeat what he did last week, put up 25 to 35 points. I think it's going to be a huge advantage in this matchup, and I think it's going to be what actually gives Evan the upset win, according to Sleeper's projections, over Suit Supply. Like I said, Sleeper has it 183.91 for Suit Supply against 170.54 for Evan. I actually have those scores reversed a little bit. I have it 180 and change for Evan against 168 and change for Suit Supply. Evan pulls out the 2-0. Suit Supply goes to 1-1. Next matchup here is the lowest scoring one according to uh, Sleeper's projections. And if any, if last week shows anything, it might be pretty true. We have two 0-1 two teams here. You have Derek going up against Star and Eric. Um, let's do this one matchup by matchup, um, position by position. I like the quarterback matchup here. You have Wilson against a tough New England defense. Kyler Murray against a surprising Washington defense. I actually have this as a push. I think these quarterbacks will be very similar by week's end. Not much I really want to talk about in the way of what I expect of them. I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw week one. A little bit less for Wilson, a little bit more for Murray. The running back position here, this is what I like to see. I think Chubb and Taylor is a perfect um, a perfect comp for this week. Taylor's going up against that Minnesota defense, which does not look good. I thought they had some impressive pieces across the way. They have an injury that's kind of slowed down that defensive line. They get exposed in the secondary. I think – I really do think Indy improves off last week. Taylor's going to get a lot of run in this game. Across the way there, Chubb and that timeshare. Both these guys, I think, are going to get 15 to 19 touches, maybe three targets. Very similar outputs. I do think they're within two points of each other by weekend. Next step here, this is perfect. Moss and Fournette, two very similar running backs, in my opinion, two very similar situations. Both of them are second fiddle on their team. Both of them probably aren't going to get more than eight touches this game. Both of them probably aren't getting more than six points unless they put one in the end zone. I do think both of them score a touchdown, though, oddly enough. I do have it probably 11 points for Moss, 12 points for Fournette. Now we go to the receiving core here. You have A.J. Brown, McLaurin, and Landry. Two young studs and Mr. Consistency at the wide receiving position going up against Hill, Allen, and Parker's not going to play in this one, I hate to say. But as of right now, he's in the lineup. I give the advantage, not even knowing who the third run, uh, top wide receiver is going to be for Woo Stars, to Woo Stars. I think Hill and Allen and that heads-up matchup on Sunday afternoon are going to be a little bit more impressive than Brown against Jacksonville, McLaurin against that tough, secondary of Arizona, and Landry tonight against Cincinnati. I do think when all said and done, that trio of Hill, Allen, and player to be determined later will be very close to the score of the young studs and Landry, but I do think it's going to be an advantage for Woo Stars at the receiving position. Tight end here, we have Mr. Andrews. Spoke highly of him last week. He's going up against a juicy matchup in Houston who just got gave up a touchdown to Kelsey. Against Fant, Fant looked impressive this past week. I think the kid's an up-and-coming stud at the position. He's going up against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just gave two catches on seven targets to Ingram, who's much better than Fant. Advantage here is huge across the way to Andrews and not even close. 
At the flex position, Preston Williams is going to be the beneficiary of Parker missing time if he does against a very tough Buffalo defense. He's going to be smothered in this game. I think Asuki's going to be the uh, the only wide receiver or the receiving target in Miami that actually does well. I guess Henry against that Kansas City defense. I give the advantage here slightly to Henry just because I think Buffalo shuts down Preston Williams. Um, now we go to the super flex position. You have Mr. Ancient against Mr. Young, number one. Um, I give the advantage to Burrow tonight against Cleveland. I think Burrow improves off what he did this past week. I think he connects on at least one of those touchdowns to Green this week. I can see 275, 280 yards in the air, 30 on the ground for Burrow, two touchdowns, and maybe one on the ground as well. Um, Breeze against Las Vegas. I do think he improves off last week. They're playing in a dome at Vegas. Um, Breeze has to improve. He's going to have to use Traquan and Sanders, and I do think Breeze leans a lot on Kamara in this one. I think he improves on last week, but I do give the slight advantage to Burrow. As it relates to the heads-up matchup here, guys, I actually give the advantage to Eric and the Woo Stars, 161 and change to 154 and change for Derek. I do think Derek starts out 0-2, which is sad. I do think Woo Star starts out 1-1 and and not in an impressive fashion. Final matchup of the week, we have myself, the commish, going up against one of the co-commissions, Snyder. Both teams did okay in week one. Snyder just came up against a tough matchup. Um... Sleeper has this as a high-scoring one, 171-21 for the commish against 164-13 for Snyder. This one will go team by team. Commish has Mahomes against the Chargers, Coleman against the Jets, Hunt against Cincinnati, Cup at Philly, Ridley at Dallas's piss-poor defense. DJ Moore gets a pretty impressive Tampa Bay defense. Hurst against Dallas, Marvin Jones against a juicy Green Bay secondary and Prescott against Atlanta. I love these matchups for my team. I have huge hopes. I I thought highly of my team last week. You know, call it hubris, call it bias. I'm a lot more excited about my matchups this week. Across the way, Wentz against a tougher Rams defense. If Lane Johnson does not come back, Aaron Donald is going to destroy Wentz this week. Mark my words. Three, three sacks at minimum. Barkley against Chicago. Howard at Buffalo, Watkins against a tougher Washington defense, a very disruptive and very unhappy Robinson against a pretty suspect New York Giants secondary. You have Chark against a tough Tennessee defense, Cook against uh, Vegas, Hilton against Minnesota, which is a great matchup for him. You also have Tannehill against a surprising Jacksonville team, but shitty defense. Um, I give the advantage here pretty convincingly to the commish. I do think Mahomes against the Chargers and Dak against Atlanta, as well as that receiving core, has a huge advantage over Wentz against the Rams and Tannehill against Jacksonville and those tough secondary matchups for Hopkins and Chark on Snyder's team. I have the score lower than Sleeper, even though I'm impressed with my matchup. I do have 165. And change for the commish against 152 and change for Snyder. I think he does well again, consistent, but starts out 0-2. So that's a recap of the matchups going into this week. Pretty impressive week, guys. I was very excited for what I saw last week. I do think there's a lot of good teams out there, some teams that need to make some moves. Everyone got a week under their belt to see what this format's going to look like for their teams. It's going to be interesting to see if Week two carries over and we actually see a repeat of what we saw, or if not, and things change. I'd like to kind of just jump in and do the power rankings for week two. <laughs> I'm going to do it this time over the podcast, not through the, the Google Doc as usual. Those who saw me at number 12 last week, I did out every single time in the power rankings for various reasons. I had a very big argument last year when I had myself ranked high, even though I finished very high in that league, but so I always rank myself number 12. I'm not going to be number 12 this week. Last week, the power rankings were in reverse order. The commish, number 12, number 11, we had Derek. Number 10, we had Clay. Number nine, I had Eric. Number eight, we had, sorry guys, the people's champ. 
Number seven, we had Snyder. Number six, we had Trip. Number five, we had Jedi Batman. Number four, we had Evan. Number three, Fong. Number two, we had Suit Supply. And number one, I had Aaron. There's a little bit of change. Some people dropped a little bit. Some people dropped a lot. Some people moved up a lot. This week, we're going to start out at number 12. Derek drops a position from number 11 down to number 12. Didn't have a great showing last week, and I think it's only fitting he drops down to number 12. I do hope he improves. He's a solid owner. So, Number 11, we had Clay. Clay drops from number 10 to number 11, drops down another slot as well. At number 11, we have Eric in the Woo Stars. He dropped down from number 9 last week. Um, number 9 this week, we have the People's Champ. He also dropped a spot from last week. At number eight, we have Snyder. Snyder drops down a spot from number seven last week to number eight this week. At number seven, we have the Commish. Obviously, I just spoke on the fact that I start out at number 12 every week. This is a little more realistic projection of where I should be. Commish slots in at number 12 this week. At I mean, no, number seven this week, sorry. Um, number six, this is the biggest dropper of the week. And it's only because the teams in front are just so impressive. Didn't know what to expect week one. I do think this team will slide up. But from number one, we had Aaron dropping down to number six. As of right now, um, Sleeper actually has him as number 10. So I don't think he's that far down. But as of right now, Aaron drops to number six. At number five, moving up a spot, we have Trip. At number four, dropping, um, moving up one spot, sorry, is Jedi Batman. At number three, moving up a spot from number four last week, we have Evan. At number two, staying consistent with last last week, we have um, Suit Supply. And at number one, we have the impressive Fong. He moved up two, two positions from number three to number one this week. So just to recap, guys, number one, Fong. Number two, we have Suit Supply. Number three, Evan. Number four, Jedi Batman. Number five, Trip. Number six, we have Aaron. Number seven, the Commish. Number eight, we have Snyder. At nine, the People's Champ. Number 10, we have Eric and the Woo Stars. 11, we have Clay. And at 12, we have Dog Dynasty, Derek. That are your power, those are your power rankings for week two, guys. Real excited to see what's going on. We'll do a recap at the end of the week. Enjoy the game tonight between the shitty Bears and the shitty Bengals. That's all I got, guys. Hope you have a good one. Best of luck to you all, except for my opponent this week. I really do hope I destroy you, Snyder, because that's what I love to do. Have a good one, guys. Talk to you soon.